As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome back to another edition of the Pug and Cobb Boxing Show. I'm Mike Coppinger alongside Lance Pugmire of The Athletic. We are coming off perhaps the biggest boxing weekend of the year, Trevante Davis with a spectacular knockout of Leo Santa Cruz in that 130-pound title fight. That was on Showtime pay-per-view. We had a big heavyweight fight on the zone between former cruiserweight champion Alexander Usyk and Derek Chisora, with Usyk receiving a far tougher challenge than anticipated. And then we had the top-ranked debut of Naoya Inoue, who absolutely blasted out Jason Maloney and showed why he's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world. But first, we're going to be joined by lightweight title holder and one of the fastest rising stars in the sport, Devin Haney, who's going to preview his upcoming fight against New Yorkers Gamboa and also break down that crowded 135-pound title picture. So we're going to get started with Devin. And remember, you can read all of our written work over at The Athletic, and you can subscribe right now for just $1 per week over at theathletic.com slash Pug and Cop. Let's get ready to podcast! If you're going to go stick your head in the sand like that, get out of the sport. Mike Coppinger. It's creating a huge mess. It's absurd. No, you're wrong. So, this, the only, seems the like only, a cash grab. You need to turn up and you need to be on it. We just started going at it. You gotta go eat. The Pug and Cop Boxing Show on The Athletic. Alright, and now we're going to be joined by Devin Haney, lightweight champion, one of the best young fighters in the world. He is headlining on the zone Saturday against Olympic gold medalist and former champion Yuri Orcas Gamboa. Devin, thanks so much for joining us. First off, how important is it for you to get a knockout? And because you know people are going to use this fight as a measuring stick against Gervonta Davis, who not only fought last week, but also fought Gamboa in Gamboa's last fight. I mean, it's a, a knockout would be great, but I'm not a fighter that will go that likes to go in there and you know, take punishment and, you know, take punches just to get a one-shot knockout. Even though that's all the fans would would, would remember, kind of like Saturday that happened uh, this past Saturday, that's all the fans would, would remember. But um, it's, it, it's it's not in me to go in there and uh, take punishment, you know, just to land one, one punch. Would I love a knockout? Am I going to press for a knockout? Of course. If it doesn't happen, then it doesn't happen. I mean, we've already seen you score some spectacular knockouts. The Antonio Moran knockout was one of the best knockouts of the year. 
you have big power. Um, what do you think is going to be the key for you to try to separate yourself from this pack? You have it at 135 right now with you, Teofimo Lopez, Ryan Garcia, and Tank Davis, who everyone's talking about. I mean, it's 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 hard right now. The the one thirty five pound division is stacked, and everyone is is showing up and, sh and showing out. And you know, I have to go in there and I have to to you know go in there and sh show out as well. You know, showcase my skills, uh, showcase showcase my full arsenal. You know, because one bad performance, one okay performance in the lightweight division, and you're 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 out. Yeah, no doubt. So what you're saying, um, Devin, is that you you feel like you can through your boxing shine as just as great as Javante did with a knockout. Is that is that is that fair to say? Is that doable? I mean, I'm not here to necessarily compare myself to to Javante or whatever, but um, I can say that you know you don't you don't have to go in there and and take take punishment to land uh, one big knockout punch. Yeah, I you know I had an interesting conversation with Ryan Garcia in a Q and A that ran today in the Athletic, and he describes the four of you as the four horsemen of the sport. That he sees you know like a round robin between the four of you for years to come. That it's really going to be be the defining rivalries of boxing over the course of the next decade. Do you see that? In the same in the same sentence, didn't he say that a fight with him uh, bores me though? Yes, he did. He, thank you for reading it, Devin. He absolutely said that. He said that fight with you would bore, uh, bore him because he right now he says his exact quote was, I want to fight Javante Davis. I want to be in there with a killer. I want to be in there with someone who can knock me out. You know what I mean? I want to fight a guy who has power in both hands who can drop people. I know Devin. He's a great fighter. Don't get me wrong. But I want to be getting an adrenaline rush in there. Devin will be trying to box my ears off and land jabs. He said that ultimately he wants to fight you, but just immediately he wants to get in there with Gervonta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do we know how, how, you know, honest he really is right there? <laughs> it sounds, it's, it sounds like cap to me, but uh, we just got to see. <laughs> that, yeah. I mean, it sounds, uh, it sounds like he's talk, talking that Gary Russell talk. <laughs> I was just going to say, Devin, uh, you like to call Gary Russell Jr. Mr. Cap. What was the deal yeah. right there with the negotiations? You know, we know that Eddie made a nice offer to Gary Russell. You would know, obviously, I believe it was a million and a half or more. It was a nice offer. You wanted that fight. Obviously, it was what he asked. Yeah, it was what yeah. he asked for. Right, right. What he asked for. People are criticizing your fight with Gamboa, but you did try to make the fight with Gary Russell. You were You were trying hard to make it. Yeah, um, I was, you know, pressing for the fight, um, but in reality, he just was, you know, he didn't, he didn't really want the fight. He was just using it for attention and clout or whatever you can say, um, which is fine. We understand that, you know, if that happens, that comes with the, the, the sport. It is what it is, but um, people forget that, you know, Gamboa in his last fight, he was Tank's toughest fight. Yep. It was a tougher fight than him, him than, than Santa Cruz. He went twelve rounds with him. Tank's face was bruised and everything, and 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 more bruised against Gamboa. So it's like, how do y'all forget about that? Look, don't get us wrong. Your York is Gamboa with a, with, with a torn Achilles. Yeah, no, it was a torn Achilles, a devastating injury. You're right that Gamboa was once an elite fighter. He's an Olympic gold medalist. He was one of the. He was once in the spot you're in now, right? He was one of the young rising stars in the sport. So. 
Do you think Gamboa is the toughest opponent of your career? And what do you? Th- what kind of challenges do you think he presents to you? Um, by far the the toughest opponent of my career. You know, um, he brings everything: speed, power, experience. I, I have youth on my side, and, and and that's where a lot of people are, you know, counting Gamboa out at. But you know, he brings so much to the table, and he doesn't come to lay down. So that makes for an entertaining fight right there. No doubt. I mean, what do you see happening from this? And the bottom line is, Devin, you you needed a fight, right? You wanted a fight. You tried to get Gary Russell. You, you're taking this fight. It's a significant challenge for you. What do you want to do with this experience? And who do you would you like to fight in victory? Um, you know, I just want to to move forward and 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 go again. Go, you know, chase the top guys. You know, I want to fight the top guys, and I and I've been saying that over and over. Uh, Gamboa was the best uh, possible opponent that would fight me at at, at this moment. I, I guys, every top guy you can possibly think of, I tried to fight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it seems to me, at least the way that I read it when they announced when the WBC announced this, is that the winner of the Garcia Campbell fight is going to be fighting you. Am I mistaken on that? Right. That's that. That's that was what we all thought, but. Fights, fights. Now, now, when I when it's time to become my mandatory, a fight with me and him bores him. So, you guys are you guys are hearing it, you know, right from the source. Who do you like in that yeah. fight? I think I think Garcia. Okay. I think he beats Campbell fairly easy. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's definitely an intriguing fight. Uh, another Olympic gold medalist in Campbell, good boxer. Southpaw, I thought he beat Jorge Linares in a close fight, and it's a good step up for Ryan and a good challenge. Uh, Devin, you know, you've been receiving a lot of flack for this whole WBC situation that you didn't even ask for, which I find interesting. We had Mauricio Suleiman on the show a few weeks ago to try to clear up this mess, and I want to just point out to the listeners that you wanted Lomachenko. You were demanding that fight. There was no interest on the other side. Top Rank was in no rush to make that fight for a lot of reasons. They know know it was dangerous, and... You were told, hey, fight for this vacant title. You're the champion. And now we have this whole mess where now Mauricio's calling Teofimo Lopez the champion. Can you just try to clear this up for everyone? They told me to fight for the interim title. They told me to fight for the interim title, not even the, the full world title. They told me to fight for the interim title, and I would become the mandatory. And then I would fight Lomachenko. So I never I never fought and said, oh, I'm going to become world champion in this fight. All, all I have to do is just go fight for the vacant title. No, I fought, I fought for an interim bout to be the number one contender, the mandatory. And then that's when Top Rank and Loma, you know, petitioned to become, to make, to, to, for this franchise. To. And the right. same thing went, went, goes for Tiafimo. He petitioned for the franchise as well. And that's what a lot of people don't know. Now, the, the WBC didn't just hand him the title. They were acting like he just had like after the fight, like he, oh, they, he, they just gave me a, a WBC belt. No, you petitioned for that. You know, you petitioned for that franchise title. Right. And you know, it's just unfair to you. I believe you, you're willing to fight anyone. You didn't ask for any of this. It's and people calling you email champ. It's just disrespectful. I don't like it. Uh, this is Mauricio Suleiman's doing. Um, we know you're very tight with Floyd Mayweather, right? He's like a, he's like a big brother to you. Yeah. I think the WBC should, should, I think, uh, the WBC should, Mauricio should, you know, come out and clear up the whole situation. Cause like now, 
now it, 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 it's a mystery to, to, to everyone. People don't know. One group of people are saying this. Another group is people are saying that. So Devin Haney fans saying one thing. Tia Lopez or top rank or whatever fans saying one thing. I think WBC needs to come out and, and clear up the situation. One of the things that you could clear up yourself is, and, and I know Mike uh, had a very animated back and forth with Mauricio in the conversation is, Devin, there's no doubt about it. They're asking you to pay a sanctioning fee off this fight as the, as the regular champion, right? You have to turn over how much of your purse um, to the WBC for this fight. I couldn't even tell you. It's like a certain uh, not, percentage that's significant. Sure. Yeah. If I have to pay these sanctioning fees, well, while I'm in the process of paying these sanctioning fees, why don't you just clear up this whole situation and let the world know what's, what, what's the truth? Right. And, you know, the best way to clear this all up, of course, is to have the four of you guys fight each other over the next few years. We know how boxing politics go. We've already seen it a little bit as you tried to fight Lomachenko. How confident are you that with Eddie Hearn and the zone that you can get these fights done in a timely fashion? They could also make me TFPMO's mandatory as well, Man mandate that we fight. But how do you do that with a franchise belt? How can you do that? So how can you call yourself undisputed when, say, his next fight, say he didn't even fight me, say he fought someone else, how can he become undisputed if you're undisputed? They can't. They can't win a franchise belt. So does that person just go petition to and see if they get approved? Well, who's not getting approved then? We don't know because everybody's got approved. So you might as well just not even have to petition. Put in the petition but, and see what happens. <laughs> right, right. Just petition just to go through the process. Right. And Devin, I, yeah, I totally but, get what you're saying. Um, you're saying there has to be a path for you to win the title, right? You can't just be frozen out here. And of course, that's more than fair. Um, I, I know you, you know, you and Void Mayweather are very tight. And Mayweather came out last week and yeah. spoke out against the proliferation of titles in boxing and how there's way too many titles, there's way too much confusion. What do you think is the best way to just get rid of all this stuff? Do the fighters need to say, you know what, we don't want all these belts? Do the promoters need to say it? What, what's your solution? I couldn't even tell you how, how what is the solution? Um, these, these, these governing bodies can't be so greedy and, 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 and want money. That's that's it's really on them. Us fighters, of course, you know, we we're, we're going to fight for anything that you give us. We in early in the beginning of our career, we fight for nothing. We fight for no belts, no nothing. So whenever we get the opportunity to, to fight for anything, of course, we're going to. It's it just us fighters, fighters. That's what we do. But in, it's on the sanctioning bodies. It's, it's, it's not on us fighters. It's on it's, it's really on the sanctioning bodies. No doubt about it. It's a real mess, uh, Devin. I think that one of the uh, great things about you, though, I mean, you, you are standing as a world champion at 21 years old, and I know you have a very uh, tight relationship with your father, Bill. How has that relationship helped you become the man that you are right now? Um, I mean, everything, you know, um, my dad is plays the biggest role in my career. You know, without my dad, I always say I wouldn't, I wouldn't be here. So, you know, I'm thankful for him because he's been there every step of the way you know, uh, through the ups and uh, through the downs, you know, it hasn't been many downs yet, but I understand that, you know, you don't have a perfect career. You know, it's not, not even in the ring. I'm saying just, you know, outside, outside the ring, you know, it's just life. So, you know, I appreciate my dad and I love my dad to death. And, you know, we, we talked, you spoke about your relationship with Floyd Mayweather. He's been a mentor to you. You've posted a lot of you training at the Mayweather boxing club. You used to go there as a, you know, go watch Mayweather train as a kid. What has Floyd taught you? and become being a champion at such a young age? 
Um, Floyd has, you know, taught me a lot, you know, just, you know, how to carry yourself like a, like a champion. Um, you know, so much of how things to do in the ring, you know, so many tricks, you know, stuff that you, that, that you can't even pay for. Does, does your relationship with Mayweather make a future fight with Javante Davis easier to make, or does it make it a little more complicated? Cause then Floyd's going to have to like pick and choose kind of like watching his two sons fight. Not his son. Not his son. <laughs> Tank is his son, not that. But, um, <laughs> Who are you, the nephew? No, no, because it's like people make it like when two guys fight each other, it's the worst thing in the world. In reality, it's a good thing. We're both able to make money. We're both able to, you know, get recognition. We both gained from it. So if me and Tank fought, it would be it would be nothing. It would be just a boxing match. What's worse than a boxing match where we both make millions and we both, you know, we both make money to feed our family. Totally. I, you know, we'd love to see it. And we hope that all four of you guys are going to fight each other in the near future. Um, obviously, you think you're, you yourself are going to emerge. So I know you're going to have yourself number one. But can you please rank the other three guys in order? Tiafimo, Tank, Ryan. Wow. You guys didn't think that, right? I thought you were going to say <laughs> Gervonta over Tank or Gervonta over uh, Tiafimo for sure. I think Tiafimo is too big. That's the difference. I think in with the Tank fight, I think Tiafimo is too big. You gotta just think about it. Look at look at how you know Santa Cruz was landing punches and having success early. Imagine if Timo hit hit Ryan. I mean hit um tank like that. You gotta think, what if the the the, the top lightweights hit him like that? Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Devin. Really appreciate it. We'll be watching you Saturday night on the zone against your Yorkers Gamboa in a in a lightweight title fight. Thank you, guys. Let's take a break here, Mike. And we'll be right back after these words from our sponsor. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. There you have it, Devin Haney. Thank you so much again for joining the show. We appreciate your time during fight week. And if you're not following Devin Haney on social, and he is active and pretty funny, you can follow him on both Twitter and Instagram at Real Devin Haney. All right, Lance, you, you were surprised that Devin ranked Teofimo as the second best lightweight after himself. Why so? You know, uh, part of it had to do with because of the, of the close connection, or at least that you know that bond that exists, that circle between him and uh, that is linked by Floyd Mayweather. You know. So I thought that he would, he would stick with his guy. And l let's be honest, Mike. I mean, ever since the uh, post-fight podcast where I placed Gervonta over Tiafimo on my pound-for-pound -pound rankings, I've been barraged with people saying, oh, you got carried away in the moment. And maybe I did, but you know what? It's a great discussion. It's a great debate. And let's hope that these guys will ultimately all settle it between each other in the ring because that's the, the best way to, to resolve this whole discussion. But as of now, look, I, I was looking at it from the standpoint of Gervonta showed and flashed that one-punch knockout power that I think is the X factor 
you know, among all these guys. And uh, to me, his power just just struck me at that moment as being even better than Tiafimo's. And I know we've seen a lot of that from Tiafimo, but not against the likes of someone like a Leo Santa Cruz. So, you know, at this at this moment, I've got Javante by a fraction over Tiafimo uh, with the great hope that one day these guys will get in the ring against each other. Devin did make a great point. You know, it comes down to size. Teofimo is a guy who's going to fight at 140 and probably 147 in the not too distant yeah. future. Mm-hmm. Whereas Gervonta is a guy who's still making 130, 130 pounds and fighting extremely well at that weight. But Lance, you know, if the fans are going to hammer you over something, what they should be doing is needling you over your heart pick of Leo Santa Cruz in the upset. <laughs> yes, exactly. I deserve it. I deserve it. Look, I'll, I'll jump on <laughs> the sword for this one. Uh, I definitely was going with my heart there, having covered this uh, uh, guy for so long. And I did think that he was going to be able to stick to a little bit more boxing than he did. And, and like I said in the post-fight post podcast, you know, that's where he got in trouble. He just stayed in that pocket a little too long, and that's where Gervonta caught him. But up until that point, Mike, it was a sensational fight. I really enjoyed it, and I'm sure you did too, being so close to the action. Yeah, it was great to be back uh, at a fight with live audience. Uh, the fans were great in San Antonio. I wish I could have seen more of the city being in the bubble, but I know we'll be back for a lot of fights in Texas, especially you uh, at the Errol Spence-Danny Garcia fight coming up in December. So, But uh, look, great performance from Gervonta Davis. He showed that scary knockout power. That's how you get it done. We saw all the great reaction. LeBron James shouted him out. Magic Johnson, Conor McGregor. This knockout went viral, and that's exactly what you need to create new stars in this sport. And of course, it helps tremendously that he has Floyd Mayweather behind him, beating the drum. So we're going to look forward to more big fights. And we know Gervonta Davis has a bright future ahead. But I want to talk about Leo Santa Cruz for a minute. This is a guy who's given his heart and soul to the sport, as you know. He, he told you before the fight that if he lost, he might retire. I ran into Leo on Sunday as I was heading to my flight, and he was in great spirits. You know, his face was obviously marked up, which you would expect. And, you know, I just told him, great fight, nothing to be ashamed of, of course. And he, you know, he was respectful as always. And he just said, you know, um, thank you, but I, I didn't get the win. And he, he was disappointed, but he was taking pictures with fans. And I hope this isn't the end of Leo Santa Cruz. I, you know, I would like to see him in some big fights at 126, if not 130. I don't know that he can be a force at 130, but at 126, certainly there's some big fights for him. Lance, you know, you were, in, you were with him in training camp. What's your sense? Does he continue on? I think he will just because he does have that name. He does have the cachet of being a four division champion and he is a hell of a fighter. Definitely, you know, the, around that, uh, that weight class or, you know, there are so many quality fights that fights that he can choose from. And when you said that Mike about him having a smile on his face, I think from Leo Santa Cruz's perspective is finally kind of once and for all, he can say, feel like, you know what? I shut all you guys up. I, I, I was willing to step in there against the killer you know, the best of uh, around my weight class. And yes, I, I did go down in defeat, but at least you know that I'm not running scared. You know, I, I stood yeah. in there, I gave this guy one hell of a test and it didn't, it didn't turn out my way, but I'm, I'm sure he feels like, you know, look, not every fighter is going to be Gervonta Davis. And there's still a path for me at age 32 to continue my career along. Yeah, and look, Leo did give a good performance. It's possible to do that in, in even in a knockout loss. I, I had him winning two rounds, as did all three judges. He fought a good fight. He just ran into someone who was bigger, stronger, younger, and better. And he admitted that he made the mistake of throwing three straight right hands in that knockout sequence. Yeah. You know, he hit Gervonta with the first one flush. The second one, Gervonta blocks. And then the third one, 
bam, he timed it perfectly, left uppercut, good night, and on we go. So I, I'm assuming that Leo will take a, a nice, long-deserved rest after this, and then we'll see him back in a comeback-type fight. But you're right, he shut up a lot of critics by running into the fire and against a tough opponent. He, he brought the fight to him as we knew he would. Props to him. He gave us a great fight, and it was a good action fight too. So uh, a really good night for boxing. And it, it was also, you know, the undercard was filled with mismatches, but at least all the guys got rid of their guys, their, their opponents in good fashion. I, I appreciate that. We had some good knockouts on the card. Regis Progre absolutely just, you know, just walloped uh, Juan Geraldez. Yes. Three rounds, uh, looked great. Very relaxed from Regis Progre. First fight since that close loss to Josh Taylor. And, you know, it's crazy. His his th- his third child was due on Saturday, on fight night. He made that ring walk thinking he was going to miss the birth of his daughter. He makes it back on Sunday for the, for the birth. And he got the win. And now, you know, he's expected to sign a long-term deal with PBC. I'm sure he'll get that done in the coming weeks. A natural fight for him, and one that's being talked about, is Mario Barrios. Barrios also fought on the undercard on Saturday. He scored a knockout of Ryan Carl. And, um, you know, that's a fun fight. Uh, I would make Regis Progre a heavy favorite, but it's a good fun fight and a good good test for Regis. I love Regis in that fight, Mike. No doubt about it. I mean, I thought that he gave a, a great account of himself. I mean... I had talked to his conditioning coach who had said, like, he needs to punish this guy, you know, because they're thinking that Regis has slipped from his Josh Taylor loss. And he had it. And I mean, you use the word wallop. He hit the, he hit the guy like right <laughs> on top of the head, you know, and he was just completely letting these punches fly. And it was, it was very impressive, you know, whether it's Barrios or even putting himself back into position for a second crack at, Josh Taylor or the Josh Taylor, Jose Ramirez winner. I mean, I would love to see that for Regis. This guy is an electric personality and he's so, he's so damn open. Let's be honest. I mean, that openness maybe extended even too far. When did you, did you see the video of that birth, Mike? It's like, whoa. Oh my God. Yeah. I didn't didn't need to see that. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I I think um, most people would say it's beautiful. It is birth. Um, Absolutely. Maybe you need the, uh, the, he did give it the advisory. So we'll give him (laughs) that. He gave the advisory. And uh, as listeners of the show will know, Regis likes to curse a lot. It was funny watching him on Saturday with his young son by his side as he kept cursing and then apologizing. Oh, my son's next to me. (laughs) And then proceeded to drop some more F-bombs. So uh, yeah, Regis is great for the sport. We hope to see him in some big fights going forward. And another guy who really impressed on the undercard, Isaac Cruz, oh my gosh. Uh, a Mexican 130-pound uh, puncher, and emphasis on puncher. Look, he fought a guy who probably shouldn't be fighting anymore, and Diego Magdaleno Yeah, uh, was already brutally knocked out by Tiafimo Lopez. Now he got absolutely starched by Isaac Cruz, who he lived up to his moniker, the Pitbull. He just came in there and just absolute full-on pressure. Uh, I, I think... The knockout came in like maybe a minute into the fight, a minute and a half or something. Yeah. Uh, ran into Isaac Cruz at the hotel after the fight as well. And man, he's a you know limited English, obviously from Mexico, but he's a nice kid and fun personality. This guy wants the big test now. And I think we're going to see him in some big PBC fights going forward. We can maybe even see him against Gervonta Davis next year. That would not surprise me. Wow, that would be great. Yeah, no, that was substantial, Mike. I mean, I had just run upstairs real quick while that pay-per-view had started. Next thing I know, I hear Mauro Ronello going nutso. And I'm like, what? And, you know, and like the, to watch that was just sensational. I mean, um, when you see power like that, you know, as Javante uh, showed it, you want to see more. 
And, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll be hearing lots about Isaac Cruz in the near future because he is with our good friend, Sean Gibbons. So oh, yes, for sure. <laughs> I'm sure Woody, Woody, Woody will be uh, banging the drum for uh, Isaac Cruz going forward. <laughs> but, you know, Lance, this, you called it, you said it, Ryan Garcia calls it the four horsemen. We have a loaded 130 to 135 pound weight class. And, you know, Devin, you know, a lot of people, including Devin, think that Gervonta is more better suited for 130. I guess we'll find out. But... What, what? Who do you think is going to emerge from this crop? You and, know what? And more importantly, yeah. more importantly, are we going to see those fights? Are we going to see the necessary fights to actually have an answer? That's a great question. I mean, the, my first takeaway from Mike is that I just love that all these guys are so engaged in speaking so confidently about about themselves. You know, just think about it: Gervonta, Tiafimo, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney. We, I mean, Devin. You know, just was was the cherry on top to what these guys have all all been saying, and let's hope that let's hope that this can happen. I mean, who do I see emerging from this? Boy, that's such a great question. Uh, clearly, in my mind, it's between Tiafimo and Gervonta, and it's just a razor razor thin margin at this point. I guess you know, I, I, if I'm going to say Gervonta right now is a, is a top of the heap, I will stick with him. But it could be it could be any of those guys because they all have their own, you know, little strength that can carry them through. As to the question of, you know, will these guys fight each other? Again, we're going to get into the trouble with the, the, the promoters, I think. But the one that makes the most sense that is right there for the making uh, with both of them achieving victory, you know, within the next month is going to be Ryan Garcia against Devin Haney because they both fight for zone. And there is a path that the WBC has created for the winner of the Garcia Campbell fight to fight Devin Haney. And I think, you know, with that bout being started, it's like away we go in 2021 into something that can just be so sensational for, for the sport of boxing to see all of these guys go at it, you know, back to the day of, you know, both the heavyweight division and what we would see back in the, in the time when Sugar Ray and Hearns and, and Duran and, and those guys would be going at it in their circle. You know, that's what allows the sport to elevate from, from one level into the, into mainstream appeal. I mean, these are going to be the fights that everyone is going to be gathered around the television watching or trying to attend. No doubt about it with these, with these personalities and with this talent. Um, it's, it's going to be a sensational period. And I think the, the, at this point, thankfully, all of these guys are saying the right thing and expressing the interest that, look, let's get these guys in the ring against myself. Yeah. And, you know, we're talking about four guys who, you know, these guys are pound for pound talents, whether they're on the list now or they, they might be in the future. But we had two other fights on Saturday with guys that are already entrenched on that pound for pound list. We first off, let's talk about Naoya and New Way. I mean, they call this guy the monster. He is unbelievable, and I don't want to hear it anymore. I saw some comments on Twitter. How could you have a new way number two? I mean, how can you watch this guy and not think, wow, you know what? If he's not number two, maybe he's number one, maybe he's number three. It doesn't matter. This guy is one of the best fighters in the sport, bar none. I don't see really any weaknesses at all. I mean, Tim Bradley pointed out that he does often keep his head on a center line. Fair enough. But he's just, I mean, he's incredibly quick. That power is immense. And I don't see anyone who could compete with this guy, let alone even, you know, forget about beat him. Who could compete with him? Yeah, exactly, Mike. I mean, um, you know, he's got a couple guys on the docket, you know, in this division where you're talking about the winner of Ubalai and uh, Nonito Donaire and then trying to get it back in there with uh, Casimero. You know, that fight didn't work out earlier in this year. But look, 
uh, in a way is going to be able to defeat both of these guys, I believe, pretty easily, or at least something similar to what he did against Jason Maloney, to be honest with you. The thing that struck me and really paying so, atten- uh, so much attention to him uh, in this fight is just you can see the dues that he's paid in conditioning, Mike. I mean, this guy, th- his entire body is almost like one big muscle, right? I mean, the, the frame of his back, <laughs> his calves are unbelievably huge. And and to look into his eyes and see the laser focus of just how he wants to, you know, penetrate these guys' defense and then ex- explode upon them with this, like you said, this very, very rare power for this division. He is a sensational talent. He's a very rare uh, individual in the sport, and he he does need to be appreciated to the level that I know that you have been touting uh, him for a long time. And the fact that you know the the entire American boxing audience was able to see this guy live in in living color in Las Vegas is going to help his cause immensely. Yeah, what's really too bad is the timing. You know, Javante Davis, Leo, Leo Santa Cruz was originally a week earlier, got moved to Halloween and a new way got lost in the shuffle a lot. You know, he was on ESPN plus not ESPN and the fights coincided. I, 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 I finally watched the fight, you know, earlier this morning. Yeah, but it went at the same time as Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz. And with that knockout, everyone was talking about Gervonta and a new way got lost in the shuffle a bit. It's just too bad. But this is a, this is my opinion. There's no doubt he's, this is a generational talent. This is mm-hmm. a future hall of famer, you know, a, a, a special, special guy. And to me, the question is at what, what's the highest weight he can be this destructive at? Cause he's going to be, he's one of those guys. He's going to have to go up and wait to get a challenge. And you mentioned, you know, the back, the frame, all the muscles, you know, we see the calf muscles. I know it's easy to compare him to Manny Pacquiao because they're both from Asia and they're both with top rank now, but he really does remind me a bit of Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. You look at the calf muscles, you look at the the fast twitch muscles, the explosive power, the, the come forward style, and they both started their careers at 108 pounds too. Uh, Manny Pacquiao went up to 154 uh, and... That's certainly an anomaly. I can't imagine he can get anywhere near there, but can Inoue get as high as 130 maybe? Um, he's at 118 right now. Certainly 122 and 126 seem doable. Can he get to 135? I don't want to count anything out with this guy. You know, He's so special, but I, the other problem is that I don't really see the big fights for him at the weight he's at right now. I mean, maybe you could say, all right, if Juan Francisco Estrada beats Chocolatito and goes up, He's a big enough guy at 115. That's a big fight. Mm-hmm. Estrada versus Inoue at 118. But it's not a fight that's going to cross over, obviously. Yeah, I think to answer your question, Mike, I think that the the best thing, the most encouraging sign is what you said in the comparison to Pacquiao. And what did they have in common? They both, you know, worked their ass off in preparation. And you can, like I said, you can see that type of preparation in Inoue. So... I believe, you know, look, we know that the body does get bigger as it gets older, especially into the 30s. So this is a guy that clearly wants to clear out this division. But yeah, I mean, I can see him, you know, being able to comfortably add on four pounds and see how he does it at featherweight and then see, you know, if he can move on from that point, especially if he's destroying guys the way that he is right now. Um, You know, he's a hell of a talent. He knows how to fight. It's just a matter of adding on size. And if that can be done in a very uh, smart and sophisticated way by the right person, I see no right reason why he can't ultimately, you know, fight, have a very long career like Pacquiao did and ultimately, you know, be up perhaps as high as lightweight. 
Yeah, and look, if we're mapping out his 2021, for me, the ideal calendar year for him, and this is, you know, making fights that are actually makeable, I would like to see Nordinu Bali beat Donito Donaire just for the simple reason that we've already seen Inoue Donaire, and while it was a great fight, there's no way Donaire is beating him, and we've already seen it. If Bali can beat Donaire, I would love to see that fight in the, the spring uh, for, you know, for three titles between Inoue and Nordinu Bali, and then maybe later in the year, you get him versus the Chocolatito Juan Francisco Estrada winner. That'd be great. I just I, I think that the I think that the course that they're going to choose is is to take Casimero by uh, uh, March and then go into uh, uh, Ubali. But you know, look, I agree with you. Estrada is a bigger fight, especially if he's coming off the you know a big victory over Chocolatito, and you know, let's hope that they have that fight in Mexico to make it you know even bigger. Um, you know that would be that would be a sensational uh, uh, bout, Mike. No doubt about it. And yeah, and to- look, totally cool with Casimero too. He has one punch power, which would make him dangerous at least, even if he's outguns and uh, and overmatch in every other category. But that power is definitely legitimate and devastating. So we're gonna. It looks like we're gonna get at least one more title for Inoue in his next fight. We'll be right back after these messages. We had Javante Davis and Inoue enhancing their status in the sport. And then from my opinion, Usyk really, you know, he, he didn't look great. And I don't know. I mean, does he belong on a pound-for-pound list? It certainly has to at least be moved down because pound-for-pound means that you could compete at, you know, all different kinds of weights. And I, I saw this in your mailbag, too. Someone was asking, well, how can you have Usyk above Tyson Fury if you would pick Fury over him in a fight at heavyweight? I, I agree with that. I subscribe to that thinking. Uh, I don't... No, at least yet. Maybe it's going to take time for Usyk the same way it took time for Holyfield. But at this particular moment in time, Usyk seems to react poorly to pressure, poorly to heavyweight power. And at 217 pounds, he's just not a full-fledged heavyweight. I was stunned that he showed up for this fight at 217, Mike, weren't you? I mean, he had to have known that he was dealing with a a veteran who knows how to uh, land these types of punches and bring this type of pressure. So to me, that was the first slip. And then, like you said, the punches that Chisora was landing on Usyk in the early going were, you know, very frightening from the standpoint of, is Usyk going to continue to be undefeated here? Um, You know, it was only until later when Derek Chisora really, you know, came across as a true, you know, 36-year-old aging big man that, you know, he started to to slip and then be, be susceptible and open to Usyk's punches. But this was a very close fight. And it was it was a black mark on on Usyk in regards to you know his ability to say that you know he's he can beat a, uh, someone like Anthony Joshua or you know even Tyson Fury who is so much bigger. Um, there's no way he would right now. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I just again the way he reacted to the punches we saw it against Chaz Witherspoon, a journeyman. He didn't react great to those punches either, and maybe he's just not a heavyweight. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I had it 115-113 for Usyk. I thought it was a very close fight. Two judges also had it the same, 115-113. Um, for some reason, I saw a lot of people on Twitter say that, oh, you're crazy and all that stuff. <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know what they're watching, but... It doesn't matter what the subject is, Mike. They're going to say that, right? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. But, I mean, we're going to have to see what the next fight is for Usyk. Um, do they step him back a little bit after that? Do they... Keep him, does Eddie Hearn keep him fighting tougher opponents and step him up again? I don't know. 
But Tesora is a guy who he is a, he's a, he's what I would call a bona fide gatekeeper. Mm-hmm. You know, he will he will expose you if you're not if you're not legit. And look, Usyk's a great fighter. We're not doubting that. But the, it was surprising to see Tesora so effective with that with that pressure with those power shots. Um, like you said, yeah, Usyk came in light. Maybe he thought he could move around and just play with Chisora, outbox him, keep him on the outside. He was not able to do that for most of the fight. And if Chisora didn't gas so much, I wonder if Usyk may have been upset. So, you know, what happens? I mean, I would like to, I don't think we're going to have real answers until we see Usyk against maybe um, Adelian White or Joseph Parker. Yeah. Somebody, somebody a bit better. Somebody that's a, a legit heavyweight contender. Um, but right now, if you told me Usyk's going to fight, you know, Joshua or Fury next, even Andy Ruiz, I, I would not give him much of a good chance. Yeah. You, know, you just mentioned the two perfect names for him, Mike. I mean, no doubt about it. White and Parker would be ideal. I was actually thinking, and again, I know this is not reality. I don't think this will ever happen. But could you imagine Usyk versus Deontay Wilder? You know, I mean, I'd, lo- I'd love to see that. I know they're not going to cross the party lines probably at this point. But, um, you know, Dillian White is is within those party lines, as is uh, Joseph Parker. And I see that's where it, where uh, Usyk heads from here. But he's got to he's got to add on more weight if he's going to have any chance at all uh, to be a anything close to a champion in this division. Um, Lance, before we go, you mentioned Deontay Wilder. Obviously, he made big headlines over the weekend with what can only be described um, at best as zany comments and at worst as uh, defamatory, you know, accusing everyone under the sun, accusing Tyson Fury of, you know, with no evidence, of course, at all of loading his gloves with everywhere, anything from an egg weight to you know, putting his fist down lower in it to having spiked water to having Mark Breland in on it. I mean, it's just really unsettling stuff from Deontay Wilder, a guy that you and I like a lot, a guy who's who's been good to the media and he's always gracious with his time. But I, I wonder what's going on with him right now. And I know you took him to task in a column, but what do you make of this? Well, I mean, it's I hate seeing this. And you, you know, Mike, because you've been around the sport for a long time as well. It's like sometimes when athletes get a little too high and mighty, they don't have anyone around them who can tell them the truth, you know, and can, can get them like in a one-on-one conversation and say, look, dude, just take the loss. You're a great fighter. You're a great athlete. You, you're going to have a chance to come back. And that's what I said in the column, like Wilder knows the history of Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali took losses. You didn't see him uh, coming up with a bunch of creative excuses. He took the loss. He made himself a better fighter and he came back and regained that championship and Deontay Wilder has the ability to do that. There's no, nothing uh, prohibiting him from doing so. To me, the the most damning thing that I took was that day while I was uh, making some calls on the on on his comments on Instagram. I spoke to his manager Shelly Finkel and I asked, said, "Like, what about these claims?" And he said, "I don't want to talk about it." And it's like if these claims are seriously substantial, you're standing at the front doors of the Nevada State Athletic Commission. And saying, like, I want this fully investigated. I want to, you know, to know exactly what was in this guy's gloves and, 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 and begging for them to get to the bottom of it. And I just, you know, it's like, to me, it seems like it, it's, it's definitely just more of an excuse than, you know, something that is based in, in reality. And Deontay Wilder needs to move on from this, um, get back in the gym and become that fighter that he is absolutely capable of becoming. And ultimately build himself back in up to a point that by 2022 he can get in there with whoever emerges uh, emerges from the Fury and Joshua fights. Yeah, and like you mentioned, when it came to the costume excuse, 
look, you, you know, it sounds crazy, but you can say, okay, well, look, maybe he's right. And maybe there's some way he's right. You know, we don't think so, but all right, maybe he actually believes that maybe there's something to it. Uh, and it was harmless, right? Mm-hmm. Now he's accusing people of, of illegal things. And I mean, this is just well beyond the, the costume excuse and it's unsettling. I get that Deontay Wilder is frustrated that there's no rematch. If he would have kept it to that, no problem with it, you know? He made a good point. He gave Fury the fight when Fury was down and out. He's upset that he's not getting the third fight now. I get all that, but I just feel bad for Mark Breland right now, and I hope that somebody close to Deontay, who he respects, will have a, a good, hard, honest talk with him. Yes, I and I, I agree with you, Mike. I mean, uh, everything that you said is 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 spot on. And I do think that the fact that Fury has bypassed him, you know, after Deontay did did make those fights with uh, Fury, is what triggered this whole thing in the first place. Uh, but I believe that you know ultimately uh, someone will get to Deontay, and and he'll be fine. I mean, he's gonna he's gonna be back. He's gonna be a force of this division. And I'm looking forward, as I know you are, to seeing those fights when they happen. Absolutely, Lance. And look, that's our show for today. We hope you enjoyed it. If you're not already, please support the show by subscribing. You can like, you can rate, you can review. There's plenty of ways. We certainly appreciate it and see you all next week.